The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had ordered them. When they saw him, they worshipped, but they doubted. Then Jesus approached and said to him, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. When I was in college in the seminary one summer, a man came with his son who had just graduated from high school. It was during the Vietnam War. He was going off to fight in that war. We had a two-car garage and only used one side of it, and the father wanted to know if his son could store his car in the other side of our garage while he was away. And we were happy to let him do it. The son seemed like a fine young man. We wished him well. But not too long after that, he was killed in a helicopter crash in Vietnam. And My mother was always rather pained because she said the father would come and stare at his car as though it might bring him back. There was a reminder of his son. But as in the the case of King David, remember what David said when the child he had fathered with Bathsheba died? He said, I will go to him, but he will not come to me. That's the way it is, isn't it? But not with God. God's turned the whole thing upside down in what he has done. For the last few weeks, we've heard his discourse at the Last Supper saying, I'm going to leave you, I'm going to come back, and then I will leave you again, and I will come back again, and I will send you the Holy Spirit, and I will return. And they don't understand what he's talking about. He keeps trying to explain it to them, but of course they don't quite grasp it. Uh, That he must leave them and then return. They don't want him to leave. They want him localized. One place, one time. One world. They don't want him universalized. They want him all to themselves. There, again. One place, one existence, one time. But that's not why he came. He didn't come to be localized for once in one place in one time. So, all right, he suffered and died. They didn't understand that. He rose from the dead. And now he's going to leave them again. It's not bad enough to leave us once for your suffering and death, but now you're going to leave again? We thought we had you back. We thought you would never leave. But now he's going to take leave of them. So he takes them to a mountain 
And we are told that when they saw him, they worshipped. But some doubted. Some still could not believe that he had risen from the dead, even though they had seen him. In fact, they wouldn't believe in Seeing wasn't enough. Hearing wasn't enough. They had to touch him. And even then, when they touched him, they couldn't quite believe it. But now he gives them an order. He says, first of all, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He proclaims his divinity to them. But then he tells them to go. They're missionaries. They've got to go. They can't just stay there. Remember his first words in the beginning of the gospel were, come. They said, teacher, where do you live? He said, come and see, come. The last words of the gospel are, go, take what I've given to you. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's essential. All that I have commanded you. They are now to go. The words come will happen again, but not now, not yet. Hopefully, they will come. And so, that's what he has done for them. He is now going to leave them. And of course, when he does, when he ascended into heaven in the first reading, what do they do? They look up. They want to keep him in sight as long as they possibly can because they don't want him to leave. Again, they want him localized. But he didn't come for that. That's not why he became man. That's not why he suffered and died. That's not why he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead to be universalized, in a sense. Jesus in his glorified body is only in one place, in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He didn't ascend to the stars. He's not in some remote corner of the cosmos. Uh, He ascended into the mystery of God, which is where he is. But he still universalizes himself because he then says, And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. What age? We are in the last age, or actually the second last. The first creation, then the fall, then redemption, suffering and death and resurrection. You and I are in the last age. This will last until the end of time. This will last until that little red light goes out. And the Lord comes again. We are in it. And then will come the final age, the kingdom. But he's with us. How, though? I know I keep coming back to this, but I have to. He didn't just say, I will come back to you spiritually in some distant way. We don't want that. He didn't take a human flesh, as I've said many times, to come into one place for one period for 33 years, relatively speaking, and stay there. He came so that we could always have him until the end of time, but in his fullness. If we don't have him in his body and blood, soul and divinity, we don't have him fully. It's not what he promised. Without the Eucharist, without his body and blood, we don't have the fullness of the promise. But with his body and blood, we do. Now we do have the fullness of Jesus Christ with us until the end of the age. We need it in faith. In the end, he will come in glory. But right now, he comes here. Very really, just as really as he was then remain with us until the end. I said, as long as that little red light is burning somewhere on this planet, um, we are still waiting for him to come. But now we are told to go, particularly you graduates, college and graduate students, high school students. You are now told to go as well. I think very often when we're going through our school our education, we sort of figure it as sort of, well, we're going somewhere, but I'm not quite sure where we're going. So some of you have an idea where you're going, particularly those who graduated from college or graduate school. Uh, but even then, you don't always know. We have our own ideas, don't we? I think I've said before that 
you've probably heard this many times, the best way to make God laugh is to tell him your plans. Because he has others for you. And he's telling you to go. First he said, come to you. And you came to learn from him. Now he's saying, go. You've received something you didn't have before, an education of some sort or another, which is for the glory, honor, and glory of God. You know, it's always amazing to me. Whenever you see an MGM movie, it says, Ars gratia artis, art for the sake of art. Forget it. There's no such thing as art for the sake of art. Everything's for the greater honor and glory of God. Everything, including your education and your graduation. He has a purpose for you. Uh, now, it, in some cases, the purpose is the same. He all wills us to go to heaven, even if we choose not to. That's what he wills for us. We may reject him, but that's another matter. But right now, he has a plan for each one of you. I don't know what it is. You may think you do, and you may be right. At least in the short run, you may be. Um, I, there are many of you here who didn't know when you were 18 whom you were going to marry. You thought God had a plan for you, probably marriage, and most of you were right. But you didn't know to whom, probably, and then maybe some of you did. There was a time when people matured earlier and they got married earlier. Uh, not so much today. Uh, I, there are many people who didn't know that they were going to be called to the priesthood. They went on with their education, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they received this call. But who knows where you're going? What you do know is the power that God has given you to do it. The power he's given you to do it. I would say two things to you that I said at um, St. Thomas More Academy the other day. Love without truth becomes perverse and twisted. It may be affection, but it's not love. Love without truth isn't love at all. And the truth comes only through the church and through Jesus Christ. Because the church not only believes in faith, but reason. The church insists upon the use of our reason. I don't know if any other Christian group does that, but we do. Um, love without truth is dead. So remember, you don't just want knowledge, you want the truth. And secondly, to bear the cross. Because every good thing God gives you, he will give you a cross. Because you, otherwise, we would lose, everything else would lose its meaning. He will always put the cross into your life in some way to bring you freedom, believe it or not, and joy. It will come through the cross. I'm going to quote to you that one thing I said a few weeks ago from the imitation of Christ. And I said, to, come on, brothers and sisters, let us advance together. Jesus will be with us. It, was for the sake, it is for the sake of Jesus that we took up this cross. For his sake, let us keep on with it till the end. Jesus will help us, for he goes before us to be our guide. So keep that part in mind. That we, he's given us this cross in order to follow him. Then he says, see where that king of ours goes in front of us. He will be fighting at our side. Wherever you go, whatever happens, the Lord will be there if you will only accept his help. He will be fighting at our side. So let us be strong and follow him. And none of us skulk in terror. Let us be ready to die bravely in battle. And none of us sully our glory by abandoning the standard of the cross. So, my dear graduates, we wish you well in whatever you do. As long as you have the Eucharist in the church, you can't go far wrong. Lose it, and you've lost the only thing that really matters anyway. I know there are all kinds of voices out there telling you that this is more important, but it isn't true. 
Stay close to the church and close to the Eucharist, and you will always have uh, your foundation. You will always have your center. As I said, lose it and you lose everything. But as long as you have this, even if you wander away for a while, you'll come back. Uh, so there we are. So what do we say finally? There was a beautiful hymn in the office this morning, the Office of Readings, and the last verse uh, stuck with me. Uh, By his word, new heavens, new earth. By his will shall come to birth. Joy of angels and of men, come, Lord Jesus, come again. Alleluia. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the ascension of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, her members will always be visible signs of Jesus Christ present and yet to come. They will always be uh, prepared to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Especially the Church persecuted, we pray to the Lord. For all of our graduates, they will continue to grow in the truth, who is Jesus Christ. They may come finally to know him perfectly in his kingdom, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they may come to know Jesus Christ in his sacraments and in the Eucharist. For all nations hostile to the church for their conversion, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering, for those who are isolated or experience confusion or depression, that they will know the presence of Christ in his church, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith and lost hope, we pray to the Lord. Greater respect for human life, especially in the womb and at the end, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will, in fact, take the responsibility of proclaiming the kingdom of God. For greater reverence for the missionary element of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. Administrator, our future bishop, our priests, deacons, seminarians, and the American hierarchy, that they will first proclaim the kingdom of God by their own holiness, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors. For all who have died in the battlefield, and especially today, for, for all of our own military, men and women, who have given their lives for our country and for our freedoms. All those who have died from violence, terrorism, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that our lives will reflect the body and blood of Jesus Christ who comes to us, that the world may know him through us, we pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the Mother of the Resurrection and the Ascension as we sing. Mm-hmm.